starting today a summer series, uh, and I called it Wonderstruck. Oh, that was timed very well. Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> That's my son back there, if you don't know. So we, it's the Dickinson Hour today. Um, so this series, Wonderstruck, um, for me, it was a desire to find something that I find myself lacking in, too, which is wonder. And I don't know about you, but the past few years have been hard on everybody. We've had a hurricane, we've had a global pandemic, all these other things that go on in the midst of life have all been a little bit heavier. And at times I've found myself just trying to grasp for that sense of otherness, transcendence, awe in the world. Let me ask you this question. When have you experienced wonder? When was a moment that you felt a sense of awe in your life? And I was thinking about that question, and I want to direct your attention just to this back corner here where Dick is. Dick, give a little wave. He's our Vanna White for today. Yeah. <laughs> and just next to him there is this board that I've called the Wonder Wall. And I, if you know what a wonder wall is, then that's, that's great. It's a little allusion to an old song when I grew up in high school. Um, and I was actually listening to another song this morning because it brought to mind a, a song that says, what's a wonder wall anyway? Well, we're not going to get into that today. But what I want to use this wonder wall for is, I, wanna, I want you to invite you to take a pen and just mark on that Bristol board a time that you experienced wonder. That could be in creation, it could be in a relationship, it could be uh, an experience you've had in reading scripture, and uh, maybe even in church. But when was a moment that you experienced wonder? Just write a line and just record it there for our, our wonder wall, for other people to look at and to see, and maybe to inspire someone else. And I already wrote mine on there, and the moment that, I, that came to mind immediately as I thought about wonder was a moment uh, almost 20 years ago now, it's hard to believe, where I had been in Vancouver training and studying to be a pastor, and it was time to move back to the East Coast, um, and I was called to be a pastor in a church in New Brunswick, and driving back, I drove across the country there, and then driving back, I came from Vancouver up through the Rocky Mountains, and my goodness, I remember arriving to Vancouver when I got to the Rocky Mountains, I kept praying as I went down them, Lord, don't let my brakes go. <laughs> but going up them on the return, I remember this one particular morning, just looking all around me, both sides of the vehicle, and seeing the heights on either side. Seeing the sun shining and little bits of snow up near the top on what was otherwise a warm August day. And hearing just the beauty of, you know, birds singing and seeing the sights before me, the sounds, I had this moment just of awe, of smallness, but greatness, and experiencing something really beautiful and really good. Have you had a moment like that? Have you had a moment like awe? We don't have heights like that here in PEI, do we? Uh, maybe if you go to, you know, Bonshaw Trails or something, you'll see some hills, right? <laughs> Go out and go by the ski hill, I don't know, but there's lots of other ways that you might have experienced that. It might be a sunrise on a, on a calm morning, or maybe it's the calm after a storm. 
Maybe it's been in a relationship to see somebody who is struggling go through that and come out to a better place, and you're just amazed at the change and transformation you see in them. Maybe you've had a quiet moment in Scripture where you've suddenly seen something for the first time, and it's just provoked a sense of awe. There are many ways for us to experience it, but it feels rare and maybe even more rare these days. In fact, I think if we're honest about the state of our lives most times, we wouldn't say that we're in a state of being in wonderstruck mode. We would probably say we feel more distracted than anything else. Now, I've put a slide here, just some of the words, and you can probably think of your own words that might describe this better. But for most of us, there's a sense of distraction. or We feel overwhelmed. We feel overwhelmed by the challenges of the world, the life around us, by the demands of our everyday, by the, the things that are happening that we can't quite understand in relationships, in business, and in everyday life. There's complications, there's challenges, there's conflicts. We feel overwhelmed by health concerns. We can feel rushed from one thing to the next to the next. And it seems like there's a never-ending list that you try to scratch something else off and there's something else to add. I don't know about you, sometimes I add things to my list that I've already done just so I can scratch them off, just to feel that sense of satisfaction. You can feel distracted because you feel self-focused. And maybe we wouldn't realize it or we wouldn't want to admit that we're actually self-focused, but we can be distracted from a sense of wonder because we're actually just kind of absorbed by ourselves and we're just... Sometimes that's because things are so challenging and difficult that it's hard to see beyond ourselves. But we can be distracted from wonder because we're self-focused. We can just indulge ourselves. Sometimes that comes because life is good and we've got freedom and we can do whatever we want and let's take, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. Sometimes it comes because we're trying to cope with the struggle and the pain and the difficulty. And so we indulge ourselves in things just to try to feel something. We can be distracted from wonder by just simply being bored. Everything seems too familiar. Everything seems, ah, been there, done that before. You know, I find myself sometimes watching a movie or something on television or, uh, you know, streaming some show, and I'm also on a second screen at the same time. And I'm realizing I don't know why the movie is, why the plot is going the way it is, and it's because I've been in this instead, and I have thought I was paying attention, but I missed something else, and I was so bored that I distracted myself with a show, and I was so bored of the show, I distracted myself with a phone, and I'm pretty distracted in that moment. It's easy to be distracted and to allow other things to grab our attention and to be just pushed and pulled rather than to be intentional. But I think what we need, especially today, is a sense of wonder. In fact, I'm not alone in this. This has been psychologically a topic of discussion for the past few years, especially during the pandemic. It's even hit such secular publications as the Harvard Business Review. Let me show you a quote here. So this is from the Harvard Business Review in an article titled, Why You Need to Protect Your Sense of Wonder, Especially Now. This is a business review from Harvard. <laughs> and so 
David Fessel and Karen Revich write this, as the pandemic era goes on more than ever, we need ways to refresh our energies, calm our anxieties, and nurse our well-being. I don't know, do you feel like you could use some of that? The cultivation of experiences of awe can bring these benefits. And they go on to describe that in more detail. But what that says to me is that in our world today, people recognize a need for awe, for wonder. And I think that we as uh, followers of Jesus and as people who gather here in faith, we actually have a, a, a direct access to some of the greatest. We have the God of wonders that we can reach out to, that's speaking to us even today. And so through this series, what I want to do is I want to hopefully ignite some sense of wonder as we draw our attention to God, what God's doing in the world, how God speaks, how God sparks life into us. Because I think many of us, whether it's because of the pandemic or just life, we have this sense of a need for refreshment, for calm, for nursing and care to get us through. We need wonder. We need awe. Well, how, how can we say this begins? Where does wonder start? How do we get started in something as, as big as awe and wonder? Well, here's what I'll show you on the next slide. I would put it simply this way. Wonder begins with open eyes. When I'm distracted in my phone from even the TV that's playing beside me, I miss what's going on in that story. When my eyes aren't paying attention to it, I don't get it. I don't even know what's happening. I don't even know who the people are that are speaking. And we don't have eyes. When we don't have eyes to, that are open and ready to see, then we can't receive the opportunity for wonder that God presents to us. So wonder begins with open eyes. Wonder begins by paying attention, by looking. And that might seem so obvious and so basic, but isn't it hard to pay attention? Isn't it hard to pay attention? I don't know about you, but especially early in the pandemic, I found it was extremely difficult for me to concentrate on one thing for any real length of time. It was like this constant sense of danger, and I kept flitting from one thing to the next. I couldn't feel settled in any one thing. It was hard to pay attention. Now, we've come a long way from that, but we may not realize how we've ingrained some of those patterns, how we've been tempted towards patterns of distraction, and we've trained ourselves in distraction more than attention. But wonder begins by learning to look simply long, to pay attention, to be attentive to what that thing is, to what's going on in that moment, to being able to hear, to listen, to see. And I want to take you back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of Scripture, where it talks about probably one of the most wondrous moments ever. It's the moment of creation. And the Bible describes over six days God creating absolutely everything from scratch. And when God goes day one, day two, he often stops as he's making things, looks at what he's making, and says, it's good. He looks at it and notices what he's making. 
And at the very end of the chapter, we read this. Let's go to the next verse of Scripture here. So this is Genesis 1.31, the last verse of chapter 1, and then the first few of chapter 2. God has finished on day 6 all that he's done, and it says, God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. See, even God, even God stops and looks and pays attention. God stops and looks and notices. And in his observation of the world that he's created, it's not that God experiences wonder because he's greater than what he's made. But God involves himself in that practice of stopping, looking, noticing, paying attention. And then he responds to it in this way. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. What did God do? God, in creating the world, stops, looks, and then he enjoys. God doesn't stop on the seventh day because he's tired. God doesn't run out of energy. He doesn't say, whew, I really need to sit down and rest for a while. (coughs) God stops so he can enjoy, so he can bless, so he can delight in what he's made. So what we're beginning to see already is this pattern that's built into creation. Take some time to work, to, to move, but then took time to look, to see to observe, to pay attention to, and enjoy. And if we're going to learn how to wonder, if we're going to develop a practice, I think it's a good thing if we look at God and see what God does. God stops, looks, pays attention, enjoys and delights, and that, that's the beginning of wonder. Having open eyes, being ready to see, to notice, to be attentive to, but also to receive and enjoy and delight. I want to take you now to Jesus. And in uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is giving uh, what's his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he comes to this spot and he's talking about worry, something that maybe we could hear quite well these days. For any of you that feel consumed by worry or the circumstances of the world. And as Jesus speaks to this, How does he address that problem in us? How does he teach us as disciples to respond to those troubles and those anxieties, those cares and concerns in the world? How does he teach us to do it? This is what he says. Look at the birds. What's Jesus teaching us to do? To stop, to notice, to pay attention. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Then he says this, look at the lilies of the field. How they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory, Solomon was the greatest, wisest king that they'd had in their history. Even Solomon's glory, he was never dressed as beautifully as they are. And then listen to this. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, 
that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? What's the the pattern that Jesus is teaching us here when we have worry? It's to stop, to look, to notice. And then out of that, we observe something. We, We learn something. We are drawn out of ourselves to see what God is up to. And we see and we recognize that God cares wonderfully for those birds and lilies of the field. What we see is is a moment of wonder. We experience a moment of wonder when we stop and look and pay attention. We see how beautiful they are. How the lilies have all that they need and they're resplendent in glory, even greater than Solomon ever was. They don't have to be concerned about anything because God provides for them. God cares for them. So Jesus says, stop, look, notice, pay attention. And out of that, is provoked this sense of wonder. Look how God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers. God cares wonderfully for wildflowers. I I feel like I want to make a t-shirt that says that. God cares wonderfully for wildflowers. Maybe you're a wildflower. God cares wonderfully for wildflowers. So what Jesus teaches us is the same pattern that we saw in God as God creates the world. Stop, notice, pay attention. And out of that, enjoy, delight, receive, wonder. And it shapes and it shows us something about God and it puts us into a new frame of mind, a new experience of life, and a greater faith. Let's go to the next slide. And I just want to show you this, uh, this quote from Chris Schoon in his uh, book, Wonder, Glimpsing a Surprising God. The faith practice of wonder helps us glimpse with surprise just how creative, faithful, good, big, and present God is. I don't know if you've thought about that, but wonder is a faith practice. It's a spiritual discipline to wonder. And I would even suggest to you that if you don't have that one figured out, the ones you're more familiar with, like reading scripture and prayer, will become a lot more difficult. If we're not used to stopping noticing, paying attention, and delighting in something, if we can't do that, if we don't have the muscles built for that skill, it's going to be really hard to open your Bible and feel any sense of wonder and awe and the movement of God in that moment. The discipline, the practice of wonder informs every aspect of our faith. And there are countless times, if you go through Scripture, how it says they stopped in wonder. Wonder is one of the most important muscles we have to grow in our faith. And it begins with open eyes. The faith practice of wonder helps us glimpse with surprise just how creative, faithful, good, big, and present God is. That was what Jesus described when Jesus said, look at the birds, look at the flowers of the field. As you look, as you glimpse that, you get a sense of the wonder of God. And what does it teach you? What does it show you? How good, faithful, big, present God is to you. When you're worried, look at the lilies, look at the birds. God God does wonderful things for wildflowers. I'll take you to the next uh, slide here. And this is uh, my last one for today. It's, It's so interesting. I found this book by an Episcopalian priest. His name is Robert Ferrer Capon. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. 
Neither do you, probably. <laughs> but he's an Episcopalian priest who loves to cook. He's not a professional cook in that he doesn't get paid to cook, but he's an amateur in that he does it for the love of it. And he's a very good chef, and he wrote a book on cooking and theology together. Quite an interesting combination, but it's actually not as far-fetched as it might sound to you. And the book was called The Supper of the Lamb, A Culinary Reflection. And as the book opens, he starts with a recipe for how to cook lamb. And he begins to explain how to prepare the meal. And he, he gets to this point, and he, he, the very first thing he wants us to do as a reader is to stop and look at an onion, like really look at an onion. And he says, I know this is going to sound super weird. He says, but get some alone time with that onion. Okay, he doesn't say it like that. <laughs> but he says, if you have to, close the door so no one else can see what you're doing, but take an hour and look at that onion. He says, I know this sounds crazy. I know it's going to feel weird to you, but you've got to learn how to do this. You've got to learn how to pay attention. And here's what he writes. As nearly as possible now, try to look at it as if you had never seen an onion before. I love that. Try to look at it like you've never seen an onion before. It's kind of hard to do, especially if you've ever cooked meals one week after another. You know, like, you probably are seeing onions every day, some of you. He says, try to look at the onion like you've never seen the onion before. Try, in other words, to meet it on its own terms. Not to just go, oh yeah, it's just an onion, I've seen it before, been there, done that. But to look at it like you've never seen an onion before. He says, I shall give the summation of my case for paying attention. Now, what's interesting at the early part of the book, he says how, he says in his day, and he wrote this book quite some time ago, he said, Cooking is generally seen as a women's activity, he says, but I'm writing both to men and to women, and, and anyway, he goes back and forth between the two, and so I'm going to actually use language that's more inclusive as I read his quote, but you can see the actual words on the screen. He acknowledges that this is meant for men and women. He says, humanity's real work is to look at the things of the world and to love them for what they are. You hear the echo of Genesis 1 there? Humanity's real work is to look at the things of the world and love them for what they are. That is, after all, what God does. And humanity was not made in God's image for nothing. The fruits of our attention can be seen in all the arts, crafts, and sciences. It can cost us time and effort, but it pays handsomely. When we learn to pay attention even to something as simple as an onion, we can experience the wonder that God has built into all of creation. We can experience the goodness that is there. We can see the difficulties as they are, but in a bigger perspective. When we learn to pay attention, like God does, and we love the things of this world as they are, we begin to experience the transcendent goodness of God in everything. So, here's your assignment for this week. Try to look at an onion like you've never seen an onion before. <laughs> and you can pick something other than an onion. In fact, 
it'd kind of be weird if all of us were just looking at onions really intently this week. But take your thing. Take your everyday life. Take something you see every day and look at it like you've never seen it before. That could be a relationship with someone. Maybe you're sitting for coffee with someone or you're sitting across the table from them during a meal. Look at them as if you've never looked at them before. Don't do one of these like... You're going to have to explain yourself real quick if that's what you do. But like, try, try to notice them. Try to observe and say, you know what? Maybe I've always assumed you're this way, but I've been sort of putting my own story on to you. Maybe I just need to pay attention to who you are for who you are. And ask a question you've never asked. Throw the curveball. Or go to a place that you've never gone to so that you really are seeing something you've never seen before. But take a moment this week to see something like you've never seen it before. And to lean into that moment to pay attention and see how that newness sparks something in you. An awareness of the world, an awareness of God's presence maybe even, some spark of joy, some light of hope. Look at the lilies. Look. Look at the birds. Look at the onions. Even the things that make you cry. Even the things that smell and stink and leave a foul taste on your tongue. Look at the onions of the world to see God's presence and experience His goodness in everyday moments. It can be tempting to think that wonder only comes in the heights of a mountaintop. But wonder can be found in the everyday spaces because God is present throughout all of His creation. And so this summer especially, in a time where we do have a more extended Sabbath, a seventh day of rest, for some of us anyway, when you have those moments where the sky is wide open and the sun is shining, where you have a moment to pause and reflect, reflect, pay attention, look, see, notice, and allow the wonder, the wonder of God to spark new life within you. Now we see here this quote from Robert Farrer Capon as he leans into the Supper of the Lamb he is taking us ultimately to the table of communion, which we are now gathering around today. This is a table where, you know, if I'm honest, when we look at what's on it, when we look at what's passed out, it seems so small. I often mention that. It's just a small piece of bread. It's just a small cup of juice. It'd be easy just to Make light of it, to not notice, to not pay attention, to not see beyond what you are holding. But the meaning is bigger and greater and good. And here in this table, as we gather around it, notice, pay attention to who Jesus is and the story that this table tells. The story of redemption. The story of God loving the world so much that God entered into it as Jesus. God loving you, me, so much. Noticing us out of the billions and each one of us caring even for the number of hairs that are on our heads. 
Jesus, aware of each of us, you, me, individually, he looks at us, the onion. He notices us. He loves us. He stops, pays attention, and he loves. And he comes to be with us. He's present to us. And he gives himself for us. That's a wonderful thing. That we can have life because of what Jesus has done. That we can have a new approach and a new beginning, even in a broken world, to feel the newness of creation. No matter what circumstances come our way. So today, look to the onion. Look to the lilies. Look to the wildflowers. Look to the birds of the air. Look to the bread. Look to the cup and see the presence of God in it all. And as we devote ourselves to paying attention with eyes wide open, may we see the fullness of the love of God for us today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and then um, we'll pray and and then the, the plate of, of bread and juice will be passed. Hold on to the element. And then after the song that we sing has finished, I'll come and I'll say a few more words and we'll take it together. Uh, but let's pray and then we'll sing. God, it's easy to be distracted. To be distracted even from ourselves and what's going on inside of us. It's easy to be distracted from other people and not to see them as they are. It's easy to be distracted by the concerns of the world, the difficulties, the things that are thrown at us, the circumstances, the conflict. It's easy to be distracted even as we try to focus in on you and in a time of worship like this, in a sermon, or, or as we read scripture, or as we lean into prayer, it's easy to, just to get distracted. So Jesus, we ask that by your Spirit's power, you would help us to focus and pay attention. That we would see things as they are. That we would see things as if it was for the first time. That we would have a newness of life to us. That it would refresh us, restore us. And as we look at these things, that we would sense your goodness just present for us all. And as we gather around the table of communion, it's a wonder that you, you even notice us, but it's, it's a wonder that you died for us. And it's a wonder that you were raised for us to live forever with you. Help us never to lose that sense of wonder. Never to lose that muscle that focuses us in on who you are, to pay attention, to love you as you are, and to respond to that love with an obedient following after you in worship. So Jesus, we confess our need for you. Every moment of our lives, every place, even the moments as simple and humble as cutting an onion to prepare a meal, or eating bread and drinking juice, in every moment we need you and your presence to fill our lives, to draw us into life, the life that's found only in Jesus. And so today we gather around this table to honor you, asking you to do what only you can do in us and through this moment. In the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.